You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole and let's get ready to rumble because we are here. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew Rushing, and with me as she is every single week is, well, fighter extraordinaire, Christy Morris. Yeah, you know, I tried to go 10 rounds or 12 rounds with uh, Creed, but couldn't handle it. So here I am. That's understandable. That's definitely understandable. Uh, and I'm I'm real excited. We're going to be starting a new series here today as uh, we lead up to uh, the third Creed movie that's coming out in just a few weeks. And so we're starting today with Creed. But before we get there, of course, uh, you know, all, as always, we're always so thankful that uh, you're joining us. It really means a lot that people listen and uh, subscribe and, and all those things. Uh, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this. So that way you get all of the episodes here in the 602 Club feed as soon as they drop uh, you can also interact with us on social media. We'd love your follow over on Twitter at the 602 Club. We're also on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. Of course, we've got the entire network on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And then there's a listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference. You can join listeners from all over the world talking about all the shows we do here. So you can join that. And... Uh, you can join us over at Patreon at patreon.com slash trekfm and support the network. And you'll also get awesome bonus shows. Uh, Christy and I just recorded our first VIP room for Patreon members only. Uh, and we had a great time talking about kind of the best and the worst of 2022. We're going to continue to do that. I've got some uh, ideas. Christy's has some ideas and, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, and, you know, Supporting us on Patreon is the only way to get those episodes. We hope you'll do that. And, of course, you can check out the entire network over at Trek.fm. So, the Rocky Balboa series, Christy, of course, ended with the film under that same name, Rocky Balboa. I created a six film there, uh, kind of capping off Rocky's time. And so... I thought it was really interesting, you know, back here in uh, 2013, 2014, uh, before this movie comes out, where they they start talking about the idea of kind of spinning off the Rocky series and and creating something new in the franchise. So um, getting something new from the old and utilizing, of course, everything that's come before, but then shifting the focus to a character that we can follow beyond just Rocky himself. And this being uh, Adonis Johnson, a.k.a. Adonis Creed, who is the former heavyweight champion's son um, through an extramarital affair, we find out. And so I just wanted to ask you, you know, obviously a lot of movies these days, you know, try to 
to to bring a series forward. I mean, you know, we've seen like Jurassic Park do it um, with the Jurassic World series. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's many other films where you're trying to breathe life into a franchise where you shift the focus. Uh, you know, hey, Star Wars tried to do it right with the, the sequel films. Uh, and so... How do you feel about, you know, following up all of the Rocky movies? How do you like this setup? So I'll start by reminding everyone, I'm sure you've heard me say before, I'm usually not a fan of sequels. There's a few areas, obviously Star Wars, where I'm okay with that. But um, I think a lot of times it ends up becoming a cash grab and isn't done with a great story in mind to really drive things forward that also pays homage to what came before well. Mm -hmm. And um, I will say this surprised me the way that it was able to do both. I think, I think that was the biggest thing they had to do was have a reason to bring the universe back. Mm-hmm. universe whatever yeah. you call it but yeah yeah you know because if it's not going to be about rocky then who is it about let's branch off from there somehow and this was a a strong place to start from and mm-hmm. i think that of course carl weathers as creed was so, so larger than life in the previous rocky films that you had to have an actor that could stand up to that and really hold up that legacy um and mm-hmm. show that um unyielding nature that he had in and out of the ring. So mm-hmm. I think that they also did a good job casting someone that's believable as Creed's right. son. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, you've kind of just rightly nailed all of the major things when you're coming into this and, uh, you know, it is, it's a difficult thing when you're trying to extend a cinematic universe in any way, mm-hmm. shape, or form, you know, and then Rocky definitely is its own cinematic universe, um, and it's all revolved around Rocky, and so to try and take that and move that away from him in the sense that you know, he isn't going to be the sole main focus anymore, and uh, I think I think one of the geniuses of this is that when you look at the history of the Rocky films, especially with Apollo Creed, you could see Apollo having chosen to have an affair at one point in his life. Yeah. Um, and and having, of course, uh, a, a son from that extramarital affair. And I think what this movie, you know, getting something new from the old the best way to do that is to understand what came previously to understand all the characters to understand their motivations so well that you are able to then extrapolate something that feels as though it is just the well of course that happened like it's the oh i mean i I, why didn't i think of that Mm mm-hmm and I, I think that's something that's really actually pretty special about this film is that – and I'll, I'll ask you this question because I think it fits here. Like, was there anything in this movie where it happened and you felt like, well, I, I mean, I don't know if that really, like, congeals with everything that we've seen so far in the Rocky franchise? 
or with the uh, you know the other rocky movies no i don't think there is i think everything here feels like it fits naturally with what came before and that it's honoring that you know they really also included a lot of scenes to remind you of how rocky felt to be doing what he was doing in the very first film Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they go back to the steps. Um, they talk about what it takes to train the way that he did. And I like that they have Rocky himself tell him, if you're not going to put in the work and go absolutely all the way that you can, then I'm out. You know, I'm not the kind of person that's about half-assing stuff. Right, right. No, I think that's a that's an excellent point. And I, I think you're 100% right is that this movie truly does feel like it fits within the Rocky universe. And the reason that that is the case is because all the character motivations and everything that happens in this feels completely in line with everything that's come before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And just feels again, as if, you know, it's the projection of, you know, uh, what would come next. And, you know, I love you bringing up that idea of Rocky, you know, telling, um, Adonis saying, hey, yeah, if you're not willing to work, I'm not willing to teach. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that might be one of the most important lessons here because Donnie is super talented. But it doesn't matter how talented you are. It's always going to take work. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything that you want in life is going to be difficult to get. Uh, for the most part, that's just the way life works. Um, and it really, again, it doesn't really matter about your talent. I mean, you look at just to stay in the athletic world, obviously our most talented athletes are people that, yes, they have talent, right? But they're also people that are driven to work incredibly hard to hone their skills and to get to the places they want to be. Um, you know, from Michael Jordan, I mean, on and on the list goes of these these type of people who, yeah, they had some talent, but then they they took that and they legitimately ran with it, mm-hmm. you know, and they worked their, you know, tushies off to be the best there ever was. Um, and I, I think. I really like that you bring that up because it's one of the most important themes of this movie, but it's also one that fits so well with the character of Rocky himself, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's what Rock was willing to do that. And right. he, if he's going to teach somebody, he expects that to be the case. But it's also the same thing that like, right, Apollo taught that to him. You know, we saw that when Apollo was training Rocky, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and Rocky had to learn a whole new way of fighting. And, you know, basically he was going to have to put in the work if he wanted to be able to fight again. And so I, I think that's just really, really smart. And to build on what you're saying as well, I think the other strength it really has is that they stick to something that is part of the real boxing world outside of movies, which is that. It's a very grounded, gritty, hardworking group of people in order to mm-hmm. even get anywhere close to big publicized matches. I mean, sure. 
or whatever you call yeah matches i was like i'm not a boxer i don't know what they call them yeah. are they matches <laughs> um but you know like there's um levels to it and it takes mm-hmm. years of hard work and just because you have talent doesn't mean other people don't have just as much and aren't going to immediately knock you out when you get in the ring with them and so right. I, I like that they show that aspect of just how the boxing world works that rocky is very indicative of that of the struggle mm-hmm. right yeah yeah no i think that's a great way to put it is you know this is this is the struggle, um, and I love that. And and that the struggle is the the work that it's going to take if you want to be the best. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, that's that's how all of life is. And I think that's an incredibly important lesson uh, for anyone uh, to to be reminded of. So I'm really glad that that you brought that up. Um, you know, you mentioned one of the things about this film that is is very important was the casting. Uh, and of course, you know, Michael B. Jordan playing Donnie, um, I think like you said, you needed somebody who lived up to that kind of larger than life character that Carl Weathers just kind of completely injected into Apollo, Mm -hmm. um, and you know everything's a little bit over the top. Everybody, everything's a little bit more intense. Uh, and I think you know that's one of the things. And the attitude, the chip on the shoulder, all of those things. I think that Michael B. Jordan is is so good at being able to do that. And then the swagger as well. Um, you know whether it's earned or not, he has it in this film, right? And then mm-hmm. I, I think it's something that. Throughout the film, he learns that, you know, he he actually needs to earn that swagger more than just having it um, and pretending like he's always had it, like that he deserves to, to have that. And so I, I, he's he's phenomenal in this film. I mean, and, and the whole movie revolves around him and it wouldn't work if he wasn't good. And thankfully, he's great. Yeah, I echo everything you said. Um, And of course, you know, I have to add that he is great eye candy. So that's a a perk always for me. But there you go. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing that he does very well in every movie I've seen him in is also the emotional scenes. You know, I think that he, especially in the scene with him and Rocky in the cell, was killing me. Like, I teared up as well because he's expressing to Rocky like he's trying to push him away but really he's saying you're the only dad I've ever known yeah don't give up on me right yeah and then I like too that he also has that scene where he's in the ring with pretty boy Ricky and he says I want to prove that I'm not a mistake Mm -hmm. you know because he knows that his mother was not the person that Apollo was married to and that everyone, he feels like everyone's always viewed him as a mistake. And so that's really what it boiled down to and where all his anger was coming from and causing him to be Mm -hmm. fighting so much as a kid was that he felt like he wasn't worthy. He was a mistake and that nobody wanted him. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that is a huge part of this film the idea of the the weight of mistakes and i think the movie beautifully deals with how the mistakes of our parents can get passed on to us Mm -hmm. 
and it is a mistake to have an extramarital affair, and and especially uh, to um, then, of course, he dies before he even knows that he has a child, and he's you know Apollo cannot be there um, for his son, and yet I him wanting to not to know that he's not a mistake. That it's, it's, you know, regardless of what his father did, you know, Donnie himself is, is a man who has so much to give to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, he, um, and I mean, I, I was struck by watching it just how I, I think everybody in their life has, has wondered, even if you're not the product of an extramarital affair, am I just a mistake? Mm-hmm. You know, like, am I just, and I, I think a lot of people struggle with that. And, you know, one of the, the beauties is, is that I think Donnie and, and Rocky are actually kind of learning the same lesson here uh, is that, you know, life isn't just about getting what you can get. It's about giving and living for others, self-sacrifice. And Rocky has spent most of his life with that. But I mean, it's something that he really has to, to learn again um, in this film, and they help teach each other that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that no life is a mistake, right? Um, right? And that all lives have value. And I think just intrinsically, I think every single human life, you know, from conception to death has value. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, it deserves honor and respect and dignity placed on it, regardless of whether it does anything to earn that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful parts of the film is that Donnie never had to earn the love that Marianne gives him. She loves him regardless of, of who his mother is. And Rocky does the same thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. It's not just about his dad being Apollo. Um, I think Rocky, and and we know this, he he just has a heart for people. And so I I think there's just, there's something so beautiful about that. And it's really deep and it's it's even hard to just try to get your mind around it. And and I think honestly put into words the idea of the deep heart hurt of feeling like that you're a mistake but then learning that you're not. And mm-hmm. part of that comes from everything that happens to him in this movie, from the beginning of Marianne taking him in, showing him, you know, just wonderful grace and mercy, um, even though she, she, you know, nobody would say to her that she was wrong for, you know, rejecting the offspring of her husband's extramarital affair. Right. You know, uh, it's just, again, it's even talking about it, I'm just, I, I feel like it, it's a very difficult thing to kind of put that psychology into words. And yet, as you watch it on screen, I think I know I resonated deeply with it in a way that I'm having even a hard time articulating. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing that it resonated that well with you, I think. You know, it's, again, a testament to what we were saying of them choosing Michael B. Jordan for the role of Adonis. I think that he 
had all of these pieces that you needed to create a well-rounded, deep character. And um, to pick someone that also kind of has some similar facial features to Carl Weathers and the facial hair. Um, so that also added to it that, you know, if you're going to believe that someone is somebody's son, they have to have some kind of resemblance. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I like the joke about, um, you didn't tell me Rocky was your uncle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Um, but yeah, without, without him, this doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree with more with you. I I think there's just a beauty in, in the way that, um, his, his whole arc in this film really plays together. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting too. This is I I think this might have been actually the first time that I saw Tessa Thompson in a film. Mm. And you know, as Bianca and I, I think she does a really good job uh in the movie, especially since she doesn't have a huge role in mm-hmm. the film. You know, she's not on screen a ton, but I think everything that she does here really works and and especially for for somebody that they create who's going through her own sense of struggling a little bit with her identity and who she is and, you know, uh, the difficulty in trying to get where you want to be, especially when, you know, she has the ticking clock of her body failing her much quicker than most people. Uh, And it is going to take away the very thing to which she loves the most, which is her ability to create music and to be creative in that way. And I thought, again, it's it's a really great casting job, somebody who just kind of nails this role and feels perfect for the film in a way that uh, you never question, which is exactly what you want from from any role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they they also do really have a great chemistry together on screen. And I like that they gave this other piece to her character because it shows that she's not just his neighbor or, you know, a young woman who's in the prime of her life, living it up out on the town or whatever. This is like she's already at a better place to be able to understand and connect with him because of the things that she's going through herself. You know, that she is a little bit more of an introvert because she's struggling with this and trying to maximize the time she has left before her hearing is gone. Um, And so it's like she's already more connected to the bigger things that matter in life than the average person might be. So I love that that angle with it. Um, And I thought it was really sweet. Some of the scenes that they wrote in that they didn't have to of the two of them bonding. You know, yeah, Yeah. it wasn't just the usual way that they have a a romantic relationship bond on screen. It was like they're talking about their upbringing and the things that matter most to them over dinner at a cheesesteak place. And then, you know, I, I even love the scene where he's just helping her braid her hair. Yeah, yeah. It's such a personal thing. Mhm. Yes. Well, and I think that's a that's a a good indication there. Very easy visually to show just how close their relationship has come. 
in in a quick time, right? That's a that like you said, a perfect word there. Like it, it is an intimate thing to do that to another person, and so a hundred percent. I mean, I think she was she's great, and I think what I'll be interested to see is you know as we watch the second and the third how she progresses in the films and, and their relationship and, and all. I think that's, and, and what they do with her, uh, you know, mm-hmm. especially when we know that she, you know, has the hearing loss. Um, and so, and, you know, a great choice to Felicia Rashad. I know her, of course, from the Cosby show growing up mm-hmm. and she's phenomenal. And the only thing I could say there is that I do wish that they had had more for her to do in the film. I feel like that, you know, you cast this incredible actress and, you know, she doesn't have a ton to do. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more of her relationship with Donnie, especially as he was a child, maybe, because, again, I think there's such a beauty of this woman coming in who has been wronged. In the sense that her husband had an affair with somebody else and had a child with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for her to come in and to take him in as her own son, as if that had never happened, right? Like, it's not something that she holds against him. He, he you, you never get the feeling like, uh, you know, Adonis has any feeling that, that she is anything but his mother Mm -hmm. um, is incredible. I mean, again, the amount of grace being shown in that situation. And I just feel like if there's one area in the film that I would have liked to have seen more, uh, I think that's it. I'm with you for sure. I, of course, am familiar with Felicia from the Cosme show as well. I feel like she's one of those quintessential TV moms that you just love. (laughs) They have that warmth, you know, you're like, I want you to be my mom. Um, And she was so great here in getting across that grace that you're talking about. And you can see in her face that for her, it's more that since she's lost Apollo, this is a piece of him. And that she feels that she's honoring his memory as well by taking in Donnie when she knows that he needs someone. And she kind of needs someone. Um, And so I think it's great that they show they both get something they needed so much and that's someone to rely on um, because of that. And I do wish she had had more to do. I think that maybe they could have handled it a little better that she was unhappy with him going into the same career as Apollo um, by having that distance last a little less long and maybe had her actually show up in person to give him the shorts that she sent him would have been nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I think that's actually a perfect and, and you know, not to be somebody just to rewrite the film or whatever, but yeah, I think that's absolutely something that would have made the movie better uh, is that kind of scene. And, and, to, and, and to, in every way, shape and form to know that she's in his corner like that. Mm hmm. Uh, even with the decision that he's made to fight, which is not one that she loves because of the fact that she lost Apollo that way. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's terrified that that's going to happen again, which who wouldn't be, you know? And so yeah. I, I think that you're, that's, that 
Oh, man, I don't know why Ryan Coogler did not think of that, but he should have put that in there. Well, you're um, welcome, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tony Bellew playing Ricky Conlon. You know, I think what's interesting about him is that, you know, a lot of the villains, quote unquote, in the Rocky films, you know, became so iconic. Apollo Creed himself, uh, Mr. T., uh, you know, uh, Dolph, Dolph Lundgren uh, there in four. And I think he's good and serviceable in this role. He plays a complete jerk, obviously. It is You know, he's totally self-absorbed and arrogant. He's obviously not a great person either because of the trouble he's been in legally. Uh, and I think he's serviceable. I just, it, it is interesting to me that I don't feel like he, it lives up in any way, shape, or form uh, to the most iconic villains, quote-unquote, again, because not all of them really turned out to be villains because Apollo didn't, mm-hmm. um, in the Rocky series. I, I, I feel like he just is, is he doesn't have that cachet. Yeah, I you know, it's kind of funny because in the moment when I looked him up, I realized he's not actually an actor which is probably part of it. They picked an actual boxer or former boxer to play Pretty Ricky. Um, so acting is not his forte. Boxing was his forte, <laughs> um, which is cool. I mean, obviously that fits the character, um, but I think maybe you needed somebody that had a little bit more um, acting chops to be able to get across that mm-hmm. level of a role and be more of a villain Um, And I think, too, in the face, it's like, yeah, I know he's known as Pretty Boy Ricky, but it still just felt like, come on, like his he just looked too much of a pretty boy to me, like a guy that has never even had to train hard because his (laughs) face is still so like baby soft and perfect looking, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. because I would feel like like if you've really been been through it in the face. Yeah, you would have been punched at some point. Oh, nope. He's that good, Matt. No one's well, ever apparently. gotten one. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And uh, I think, it, it again, he's he's serviceable. Um, but I think if there is kind of any fault in this film, I do think that it's that he is just not quite as memorable as those other iconic uh, versus battles for our hero. Yeah. And so... Uh, well, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this idea of, because we were talking about, you know, getting the old for the new, but obviously bringing Rocky back is, is a huge part of this. And I, I, this is the question that I, I had because I've, I've seen this movie before, uh, and I feel like this movie utilizes Rocky to perfection as that aging mentor who comes in to train the next generation. And in many ways, this is exactly what I kind of expected from The Force Awakens with Luke. And then we didn't get. Uh, And to me, again, when you're bringing back an iconic character who's working to pass the torch on to another generation Mm -hmm. this is what i expected coming into the force awakens this is what i expected from the sequel trilogy all all you know overall and that we didn't get 
And so, yeah. Yeah, I, I felt the same way here. I think that obviously they had to show that Rocky is aged out from really being able to participate as much as he would have if he was younger um, in the training process. And I like that they kind of handle that as well by having him say, you've got to train different places, kind of, you know, keep the body guessing um, and work with a lot of different people who are on the same team, even though you might end up fighting against their boxers. Um, You've got to have people to train with and, you know, basically iron sharpens iron, you'll be better for it. So I thought that was a really good way to handle Rocky not being able to be as physically involved in training Donnie as he might have been if he was younger. Um, And I like that they add in the angle that he has all of this loss at this point now in his life and then also gets diagnosed with cancer and is trying to decide what to do with his own life And it's really Donnie that gives him that new lease on life again and says, I'm not fighting in the fight if you're not fighting this illness. And so I I love that they have that angle to it as well, that fighting means more to Rocky than just being in the boxing ring. Yeah, I I like that you bring that up because I think what it reminds Rocky is that his life still has meaning because it's a like all of life is about relationships that we have and the ways that we can teach and love and support and even guide others. You know, our, our, our lives are, are so identified with the relational circle that we have. And, you know, in many ways, Rocky doesn't really have a relational circle anymore. He's he's lost Polly, he's lost his wife, and he's he's kind of lost touch with anybody in the neighborhood, really. He runs his restaurant, he just seems to kind of go to work every day, and he's been, in some ways, living this insular life that has kind of cut him off from realizing that he can still have a major impact on other people. He does still have a major impact on other people, and... He has the ability here to give people so much more than as a boxer, right? Mm -hmm. Like he gets to be the father to a boy who never had one and help him become a man. Mm -hmm. And I think there's just something so beautiful in that because in all honesty, in our world, there are so many kids who are in need of strong father figures that will never have them. And just because you don't have children doesn't mean that you can't be that type of figure and person in another person's life. And I think I love that Rocky is still learning lessons here, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, and, and that life is important from beginning to end. And, I just, again, the way that we bring him back in this film and the way that we utilize him is, in many ways, again, I, to compare to, to the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, is kind of what they were going for, right? Rocky feels washed up. He feels like he's not needed anymore. 
And what happens? Somebody comes in and he realizes that his life still has an incredible amount of meaning for other people to be able mm-hmm. to give everything that he has to other people and help make their life better. And so that it's not just about you, it's about what I can give to others. And there's just something so awesome about that, especially, I think, in a world that we live where everybody just seems to be out for what they can get and every everyone is just another commodity to be used you know another brick to be put in my wall to build whatever it is i'm trying to build with my life and it's so wonderful that we're taking this older character and we're still giving him character arcs to move through and he's not just a a tool you know, or right. he's not just a like, hey, look, Rocky's in the film. No. Which crazy is that this movie gets to be just as much about Rocky learning something as it does Donnie, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Yeah, I, I still think this is the biggest and most valuable thread through this entire movie. And that's the role that Rocky still plays and the way that he got to be like a father figure for Donnie, because that's what carries everything else. You know, Donnie is not going to stick with this if he keeps feeling like he's a mistake and no one's in his corner backing him up and encouraging him to keep learning and getting better. And so Rocky had to be there. And then by the same token, Rocky wouldn't have accepted chemo for his cancer and wouldn't have decided to really embrace life again, he would have just continued living the same day all the time and died unless he had Donnie there Mm -hmm. to encourage him to look at life differently. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's like they depend so much on each other and it is a perfect example of how, regardless of whether or not someone has children, that they can be a role model for someone else. I I think... The beauty of it is is that they each help save each other's life. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because without Rocky, most likely what's going to happen to Donnie is that he is probably going to hurt himself and possibly be killed in the ring. Without Donnie, Rocky might not even have realized that he had cancer until it was too late oh true uh, and it it is the it is them being together that the this you know he's putting himself under more stress and that kind of causes his body to react and so i just i think there's something really awesome about that is just how important it is for us to be there for one another that's what life is all about and i, I think it's really uh, an incredible thing uh, for this film, and I think it's one of the things that makes it so strong. Uh, and you know, um, it's uh, it's it's interesting because you can see the real parallels, but here between what the character of Creed is going through and that what Killmonger goes through, and, and Black Panther, which of course same director, uh, and and some similar story th- point threads. So mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. Um, 
Well, the other thing that I, I, I love about this film, and, and I think it's a real a key, and it is the key to the whole thing um, in a lot of ways. You know, Rocky tells Donnie that you can't learn anything if you're talking. And I just love this because too many of us, and I put myself in this as well, we're so busy trying to show how much we know or disregard other people who actually know more than we do. Um, and the key is listening. Um, and because... Yeah, if you're if you're talking, you're not listening. And listening is actually the best way to learn. You shut your mouth and listen to what somebody who actually knows what they're talking about has to say. Um, you know, and that's a big key in this movie because you know, Donnie talks many times about how he's self-taught and everything. He thinks he knows it all, and when he finally gets his butt handed to him that first time in that ring there at the the gym, he realizes he does need somebody to teach him. And -hmm. sometimes it really does take us getting knocked down to realize, oh yeah, I don't know everything. Um, And no matter how how old you are or who you are, you're never going to know everything. There's always going to be somebody better at you than something. And so it's probably better if you spend most of your time just listening instead of talking. And I absolutely loved um, that because, you know, Rocky also says, you know, time takes everybody out. Time's undefeated. And we only have so much time to learn and to grow. Um, and what is it that you don't know? Go find somebody who knows it better than you and put yourself under them to learn, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, and I think that what's interesting is that Donnie's not the most humble character, but he is able to humble himself, put himself under Rocky's tutelage, and do everything that he asks, honestly, without really even complaining about it all too much, which mm-hmm. is also surprising. So again, maybe one of the most important messages our world could hear these days, because it's only gotten worse since this movie came out. Oh, for sure. I think you they had to include that because otherwise, why would Donnie listen to Rocky? I mean, he knows, obviously, that Rocky has the the chops that he can back up what he says. But by the same token, I'm sure Donnie initially feels like, I don't know how much he can do anymore. He's old or whatever. Um, you know, so I love that they add that element of you. he still has something to offer to Donnie and to everyone. And that you won't be able to really let it sink in and learn it if you're talking over him. And I I love that that's really the way that they do humble Donnie and make him realize that he doesn't know everything, like you said, and that maybe sometimes he needs to stop talking and start doing as well. You know, it's not only listening, but also then putting that knowledge to use. And he has to overcome that fear as well of being willing to get in the ring again. Like I I love that moment when he um, has his first major match and he uh, asked him to cut, cut his gloves off because he needs to run to the bathroom (laughs) because it's like nervous stomach. Yep. But it's like, you know, he finally had that realization of, Oh, I don't know it all. 
and I'm about to get clobbered. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> no, I think that's a great point. Um, and uh, again, is is I'm I was rewatching the movie. You know, and it it just really struck me how important this is for people of all ages. Because I think mm-hmm. the beauty is is that this is a lesson again that Rocky learns. Right, he has to learn to listen to hear what Donnie is saying. Right, when you talked about the idea of you know uh, Donnie saying, "Hey, basically, you're the only father I've ever known." You know, uh, and if you're not going to fight, I'm not going to fight. And 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 to be able to hear how much Rocky is still needed for him to be able to hear that, to know that and to realize, OK. I can't just give up. There are mm-hmm. people here that still need me. I'm still valuable. I'm still important to other people in my life just because of who I am and what I can give to them as well. And so I, I think w- the beauty is is that the movie, in many ways and shapes and forms here, is juxtaposing the character of Rocky and the character of Donnie and kind of bringing them together and teaching them similar you know, lessons throughout the film, which I think is awesome. Um, and it, it's what makes for a great movie. I think it's one of the reasons why people responded so well to this film in the first place mm-hmm. um, is that it did a great job of uh, of setting up these two characters on parallel journeys um, that everybody could find something that they could, res- you know, like connect with. And so the Rocky films have, are obviously an you know, everybody knows the music from them, you know, from the score to, uh, you know, the choices that get made with the pop music that, I mean, Eye of the Tiger, one of the most important popular songs of, you know, the last 40 years. Uh, and so how how did you feel like that the music worked in this film? Because we got Ludwig Gordonson. Uh, to do the music, who, of course, you know, he did Black Panther. He obviously did The Mandalorian. He's gone on to do many other things. He's become a a, a very popular composer. Uh, and then, of course, we've got all of the, the pop music choices uh, for this film. So how did that work for you? Uh, I thought it was good. I think they um, definitely, or Gornson did a good job of updating the music a little bit because obviously with the original Rocky movies it was very dated with some of the music with like the song No Way Out for example or No Easy Way Out um so I thought it was good here adding in like the hip hop references and stuff um and a little bit more modern music to update it I think that overall um it fits well and there are some references also to some of the original score work um, from Conti, but I think that it could have been a little more unique. That's the only criticism I would have of it is that it doesn't stand out as much as some of the previous films scores did for me. What about you? Yeah, I actually think that we're on the same page with this one. Uh, I I think that Gornson, I think, does a good job, but there is something that is missing 
in the sense that when I respond most to the score specifically is when it feels closest to or is actually using music from previous Rocky films. And and I would have loved for Gorenson to have really found a, a, a creed, like given him his own theme that d- does in some ways try to rival or create that same feeling that you got when you heard Rocky's theme, right? And yeah. so we need another Eye of the Tiger but for Creed. Yeah. Um well, and and not even just Eye of the Tiger, but I I think, you know, the original score that you got from from Conti, there's there's a Rocky theme that we all know. True. And bum bum bum. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, and and we all know that, and it, it's something that's so iconic, right? It and when it comes to scores that identify us with a character, I think that's it's it's really important, of course. And so I just wish that I felt like that really existed in a way that just really brought me to life, um, and it just didn't. And you know, I think it obviously having adonis creed and then you know using uh music like hip-hop and everything ryan coogler you know obviously being black as well i think he completely understands the type of person and character that this 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 guy is and it makes it work 100 percent for uh the story and mm-hmm. so you know I, I didn't have any issue with all of that uh and i thought that was all you know again it fits really well with in the story with what he's creating. So mm-hmm. um, um, I think it's just more the score that I would have liked just a little bit more from. Yeah. The one thing I was going to add that I just remembered was there was one song that stuck out to me, but it wasn't the song that I wanted to. I really want um, the new Creed to have his own theme that's as powerful as Rocky's. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do think, though... Um, the song Don't Waste My Time that they played when Pretty Boy Ricky entered the ring was really good. And I told Michael, my husband, I was like, I don't know why, but rap sounds so much cooler when it's in a British accent. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Right? So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you know, I'm I'm so excited that we're doing this series, uh, you know, just as um, for everybody. I've actually not seen Creed 2. Me either. So I'm actually... Really excited to, you know, go into that one and then be able to get to to part three. And uh, I, I love that we're doing this series. So we've pretty much had mostly nothing but good things to say about Creed. And so, Christy, what are you going to rate Creed? So I got to say, after I watched this, which was my first viewing of Creed, um, I felt like I needed to go sign up for a boxing class. It renewed my love, I mean, as if it ever went anywhere, but renewed my love for the Rocky franchise again and um, really kind of makes me want to then start from the beginning and go through all of them in order. Um, Although we've done most of them, I don't think I've seen Rocky Balboa yet. So um, I do think, though, that this holds up so well against the other films and really honors what came before and had somewhere to go that didn't feel like just a cheap way to make another movie and capitalize on the name. So I was really impressed. And 
uh, overwhelmed with emotion with the big scenes here. And I give it a four and a half out of five Golden Gloves because I found out about Golden Glove boxing. Nice, nice. Uh, So I think that this is one of the most perfect examples of how to take a previous series and shift the focus. Mm -hmm. It's almost perfectly done. I think there are a couple of places where we we talked about some things that that weren't as perfect. Uh, And the only other thing that I would say about this film is that it probably needed to be 10 minutes shorter. I I think the movie is a little bit long, and I would have liked to have seen some uh, shifts and things so that, again, we gave a little bit more time to Mary Ann and... And I I think there were just some ways that we could have cut this movie down a little bit, even just by 10 minutes, uh, and still had the same exact outcome. But, you know, I I think it's a phenomenal movie. It, Like you said, it's emotional where it needs to be emotional. I, I think it fits perfectly within the Rocky franchise. And so that, you know, if you watch one, two, three, four, skip five, go to Rocky Balboa and then hit Creed, this feels completely in line with everything that you've gotten in the Rocky series so far. And it feels like a absolute perfect extension of what that series was. And so I'm really excited, of course, to, to get to, to uh, Creed 2. But I'm going to give this four and a half out of five stars as well. And in fact, uh, I would have given this five stars probably if it had been about 10 minutes shorter. And, and had better would, music. Uh, yeah, I, it, I think, again, that's a place where I would agree with you. If, if it just had a theme that I was humming in my head coming out that was Creed's theme that felt reminiscent of, of the Rocky theme but was its own thing, oh, yeah, that would have totally nailed it for me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. But a great start here for the Creed series for us. Four and a half out of five for both of us. But Christy... It's now time for our recommendations. So what would you like to recommend to everybody this week? I've got something kind of silly this week. Uh, I actually, on occasion, recommend people that I've found on YouTube that might Mm -hmm. strike someone's fancy. And this is someone I've been following for years. And it's so funny because it's not someone you would think I would ever be interested in watching. But it's a guy from Queens named Joe Sanagato. And uh, he started on YouTube just making funny videos of doing like Mad Libs with his brother and um, playing board games with his family and grew from there. And they're just a really entertaining group that are very down to earth. Like I said, Queens through and through have the accent and everything, but they're so funny. So uh, if you like a little irreverent humor, he's definitely not for the faint of heart, but he is very funny. So check out Joe Sanagato on YouTube and his podcast, The Basement Yard. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to recommend. Uh, so as we're recording this, it is actually 80 years since Casablanca came out. And wow. if you've never seen Casablanca, I, it's my favorite movie. Uh, it's also, I believe, the best movie ever made. So I highly encourage you that if you've not seen it, it's the perfect time to go check it out. It just came out in 4K, so it's a good time to watch it. It looks gorgeous there. Uh, and if you have seen it, it's still the perfect time to go back and rewatch it. And so 
Uh, well, Christy, if anybody wants to catch up with you, which I hope they will, uh, outside of the 602 Club, where would they find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And I will um, have the pleasure of telling you that we're bringing back Sabres and Spells. Finally, Amanda, Teresa, and I got our act together. We decided we miss each other too much. It originally was a finished show, but we, we had to bring the gang back together. So check out Sabres and Spells on Instagram, Twitter, and of course your podcast app of choice. And um, of course, then you can find me on Facebook as well in the Babel Conference. And what about you? Well, I am all over social media under the name MattRushing02. Best places to interact with me, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero. Please follow me and interact with me. Any of those places would be great. Uh, you can also find me, of course, outside of the 602 Club uh, doing a bunch of different shows. One is Literary Treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek. The Orb about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Chris and I just started our 30th anniversary rewatch, so you'll want to check that out. We've got Warp 5, doing the 20th anniversary rewatch of Star Trek Enterprise. We've got Saddle Up about Strange New Worlds. And you can also uh, find us over on the Artificial Tango, talking about Star Trek Picard, where Season 3 is just about to drop in February. So you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network doing a couple of shows. One is Completed. It is a show called Owl Post. Did that with Drea Kaufman, and we talk about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. And then the great John Mills and I are talking about Star Wars every week on aggressive negotiations. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? And also I'm on Letterboxd. I keep forgetting that.